listening to the Something More podcast. In season one, James, a pastor in Bristol, and Lexi, part of the staff team here at Something More, lead us through some of the fundamental practices of faith designed by God to draw us closer to Jesus. Positive adjectives. Oh my god! What would be your positive adjective for the introductory icebreaker? Um, a positive. What about describing alpha? what? No, yourself. Sorry, oh. context is king. Yeah, it's like that. It's Magnanimous. No, because your name's James. <laughs> oh, I, missed, I, I missed out the main fact. Yeah. Has to be a, <laughs> you just told me to. Has to be you just told me to a choose an adjective. adjective that starts with the same letter as your. Oh, Magnanimous, <laughs> Magnanimous James. Apologies. Um, uh, I don't know. Joyful, oh. Jazzy. Nah. Jerome. It's no. not an adjective. Um, jaundiced. That's not positive. Oh, uh, is it an adjective? What to be? Ja- yeah, jaundice mm. isn't. It's both a condition and an adjective. If I can say adjective. <laughs> right, granddad, put your teeth back adjective. in. <laughs> adjective. I'm going to go for gentle. <laughs> oh, dear. Gent. I can't think of a good <laughs> adjective that isn't joyful. <laughs> Jubilant. Your name would literally be games. <laughs> <laughs> Jubilant James. That's nice. That's nice. There aren't many L's. It's always like loyal. Lovely. Lethargic. That's not positive. James, come Uh, on. First letter and positive. Loving. Loving Lexi. It's just a bit awe-inducing, which is... Light-hearted Lexi. Yeah, pretty... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. Nice one. Thanks for sorting me out. Next time I'm on Alpha. Good to go. There you go. Speaking of being good to go... (laughs) We've got a new episode. We do. It's happening right now. Currently. And we're... It's episode four. Mm-hmm. And um, it is on worship. Yes. The spiritual discipline of worship. It is indeed. And so the plan for the episode is mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about what worship is um, and then try and help us to think about what in our lives do we worship. Um, the, the idea that everyone worships something um, and, but it's not necessarily God, and I think sometimes we unhelpfully attach worship as a as a thing that we do at church on a Sunday where we sing, um, or it's uh, an act that we do in a relationship with God. But actually, whether you're a Christian or not, we all worship something, and so we're going to talk about that, talk about some of the biblical themes of worship that we find in the Bible, and then what we can do when we realise that actually we aren't worshiping God. Uh, but but our hearts desires that we do want to do that what what can we do to help us do that um so that's where we're going mm. um and so uh to begin with we're going to think about this idea of everyone worships uh something so lex yeah um, why don't you start us off with that yeah well in, in romans 1 um verse 25 it talks about how we are people who serve created things rather than the creator um and that is the essence of idol worship you know Mm. um it's it's the thing that we place at the center of our lives the thing upon which we build our lives whether we're aware of it or not so maybe that is money maybe that is reputation power career family whatever it is they can all be good things but we put them 
classic CU line in that God thing category. Um, And our hearts are kidnapped by them. And before we know it, everything we do is for them and about them and in order to profit from them. Um, And I think you you explained this really beautifully actually earlier when we were chatting um, with the London landscape. Oh, yeah picture and i think that really helped me where i was like oh flip yeah that really explains in a sort of building sense what is happening in our hearts when we talk about idol sure so yeah it was this idea that you know even like a hundred years ago if you looked at the london skyline it was the skyline was kind of pierced with church spires that's that's what you would see that would that was what dominated the skyline but I suppose as a result of industrial revolution and technological advancements and all that kind of stuff, now when you look across London, the skyline is dominated by banks and businesses and high-rise towers. And in some ways, it's an illustration of how society and Western culture has changed. That at one point, you know, church and God was often the thing that dominated people's lives or or at least that was what people were living for mm. in a in a good and healthy way often um but now the kind of gods of money and uh wealth and success uh is the thing that people are giving their lives for particularly i suppose in major cities like london mm. uh, but yeah just a really helpful uh illustration of yeah. where society is has gone to now yeah and the reality of that is when when we turn these things into into an idol you know god suddenly becomes this like divine waiter who we maybe touch bases with once a week on a sunday you Mm. know he's there to deliver our our daydream to us um and maybe we'll put in an order via prayer or or whatever um we might give a tip when the collection plate goes by um but he's essentially to give there to give us what we feel we need and when and when that doesn't happen you know we rebel we become furious and so we sort of see this really unbalanced bizarre relationship evolving that has come from the fact that our heart is hooked on these things which it's it's not meant to be you know we Mm. begin to worship them and um okay so that is this idea of everyone worshiping something yeah but like what we use the word worship like what what is that actually practically what are we saying what does that look like biblically like yeah let's maybe get into that to help yeah. paint the picture well i suppose worship is is the activity that we do towards something that we place great value or affection on mm-hmm. and so even in the old testament um we see this picture of worship but we see it in a way that does cut across probably modern day thinking now the kind of ideas of worship that we have today and the picture of worship we see in the old testament is one of sacrifice Mm. and surrender um and so we don't i think you know i think we don't often think about worship in those ways i think when someone says worship particularly in a christian context we we often think about sung worship on a sunday in church where we're singing hymns or songs um and we think about music and instruments but in in the old testament we see a picture of sacrifice and surrender and the idea that the people of god would come together regularly and bring their sacrifice offerings of of all sorts of things um particularly of animals in the old testament and that the purpose of those sacrifices is really to atone for their sin so um to make themselves clean to to kind of sort out their relationship between God and them and themselves. Um, but 
but to be honest, in the Old Testament, this this action of worship or this relationship between the people and God would always be through some kind of mediator, like yeah. a priest or a king or a prophet. And so then as we start to develop this picture in the Old Testament of what worship really is, what we should also have in our minds then is, uh, if that's what the Old Testament reveals, what does the New Testament reveal and what do yeah. we see in Jesus? And that brings us to passages like Hebrews chapter 10. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a great time to do a shameless plug of the content that we've got out from from the, the California trip this year, the Bible studies there, because we work through the book of Hebrews nice. and um, there are some incredible things and I really, really like recommend it, go listen. It challenged me m- no end and it inspired me so much. Um, so go and give that a listen because um, you should. Uh, but yes, so Hebrews 10, it, like we said, it's this kind of pivot point, which mm. is really, really highlighted to us. So this whole idea of where the Old Testament meets the New Testament and how Jesus fits in with that, what his death means um, for us and, and how it transforms everything, especially this like posture of worship mm. or how it adds to it, I suppose you could say. Um, so I'd really recommend like first and foremost, go grab your Bible and read it, like read it for yourself. Don't just don't just hear me reading it to you like go read it highlight it underline it because there is so much good stuff in this um but to read um a bit of it so hebrews 10 uh says the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming not the realities themselves for this reason it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year make perfect those who draw near to worship otherwise would they not have stopped being offered for the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer feel guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you are not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am, I've come to your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Mm. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Like, just, wow. Like, he sat down. Like, we were saying this before, those three words should just absolutely rock you to your core. Like, how much repetition do we need about this whole idea of priests doing these things over and over and repeating these duties again and again and sacrificing those unblemished lambs or... Mm doves at time like anything and everything ox all of the pigeons animals. pigeons you know what hasn't he done yeah um but what an incredible image that it is like you know that whole it is finished like it is he sat down he didn't have to do it again yeah. um and this is this is the the pivot point i think in in worship because it with like through his death you know we see that image of that old testament temple separation being completely done away with you know no longer is it about this sort of character who takes the offering on your behalf through to the holy of holies and then offers it um so that you may be cleansed um instead you know that that the veil is torn entirely and we are invited into this relationship where we can know 
him yeah. completely and be known by him completely it just takes my breath away like i don't yeah. know how else to put it like yeah. how how incredible is that yeah. um but it's almost like this transformation in worship i suppose from something that is more about um following set expectations and laws that were that were necessary i mean we can go into this whole idea of old testament law another time because that would take a whole season yeah um but you see this shift um in being able to draw near yeah i think we i mean what we do see is that jesus in in his sacrifice he's like the sacrificial lamb whose death atones for all our sin once and for all yeah and it means that we we have a relationship with god but it also means that we walk in freedom as well mm-hmm. um and then the promise that was prophesied in the old testament that god's spirit would be poured out on all flesh was made a reality when jesus broke that divide between man and god at his death and his resurrection and so in hebrews we see the writer of hebrews kind of revealing and demonstrating something that jesus has done that we don't have to do that anymore like you said Mm. but then then paul kind of develops that Mm. in romans and in chapter 12 verse 1 this is what he says therefore i urge you brothers in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to god and this is your spiritual act of worship and there's so there's this fascinating interplay between jesus sacrificing himself uh to atone for our sin so that we might know him personally Mm. but at the same time then god calls us to sacrifice our own lives to him and and i think we can often get stuck there and but like how does that work jesus sacrificed himself for us and then we're called to sacrifice ourselves and i think the trap that we fall into is that when we read those words about offering our lives as living sacrifice that somehow then we have to work for our salvation or work for the grace that has been given but that has already been done it is a retrospective thing that this this incredible mysterious thing has happened where our sin has been atoned for and so in light of that we are motivated then to give our lives to god as a living sacrifice and that is worship that is what worship is about is about retrospectively seeing what god has done for us and then saying do you know i wouldn't be here if if you hadn't done that jesus and therefore the right response to that is 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 to give my life to you yeah. as a as a living sacrifice as as someone who whose life now isn't my own but it belongs to you god and you can do with me what you will mm. and that is the right response that is worship and so yeah. worship is so much broader than singing songs although actually singing songs is massively important and we're not going to go into this but uh as someone that leads worship and 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 is involved in church life regularly the thing that i'm coming to is that as well as there being the kind of experience of being there and hearing from god and worshiping him i think so much of gathered worship times or times of worship in the church is actually to signpost us and to remind us of these truths that we've read um, so as well as the experience of, of what it means to be worshipping God and the kind of surrender and abandonment of what that looks like, um, I think so much of worship actually on a Sunday is to point to these life-changing truths. And so it's almost like a signpost. It's like, oh yeah, of course, Jesus has sacrificed himself for that. And that in turn should propel us into living for God much more than a Sunday, but yeah. throughout the week and giving ourselves in every aspect to God. 
Um, so I, I agree. I, th- I just, it, it's so powerful, uh, such powerful imagery. Um, and so then when it, when we start to understand that worship is this all encompassing life giving thing that we are called to do as a response to the gospel, as a response to Jesus' sacrifice, what it should start to do is it should start to put its finger on, well, actually my life just doesn't look like that. Like the reality is um, there are moments in my life where I feel like I, you know, I'm giving myself to God in in some kind of God-honoring way. But more often than not, I start to realize, like we touched on at the beginning, that my life actually, the priorities in my life reveal something far different than the kind of worshipful lifestyle that I want to have. Um, And so now that we've looked at kind of, looked at what worship is, I guess the question that we want to ask ourselves is, well, what do we do when we realize that we aren't worshiping God? Mm -hmm. Um, We know we want to, but what do we do in those moments where we realize that we aren't worshiping God, that our priorities aren't quite lined up? Um, And so we've come up with three things Mm -hmm. we feel that will help us to do that. Um, Do you want to outline those for us, Lex? Yeah, so the first of said three um, is repenting. You know, repenting of those affections, seeing it, saying it for what it is. Um, The second is, I suppose you could say, like a self-assessment of of what it is you're giving your time and money to. Um, We were saying before, this the common pastoral (laughs) analogy of just like, look at your bank balance, look at your diary, and it's very easy to see what those priorities are it it will literally take you two seconds um and then the final point is is receiving you know um so often as james has said we fall into that trap of thinking we kind of have to do everything um in order to rebalance our lives and our relationship with god but the the truth is that we live in the freedom of the cross um and so we're going to look a little bit at at the idea of of receiving grace and how how we can why we should yeah (laughs) great um so with those three really quickly the kind of repenting of our wrong affections it 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 kind of you come to a realization actually yeah my priority priorities in life the kind of architecture of my heart as it were is all wrong and what i'm doing is i'm starting to build my own kingdom or i'm coming to worship something that isn't god and so the right response is firstly acknowledging it, but then also to repent of it. Um, and so sometimes it's helpful rather than trying to come up with our own, our own apology almost, or our own repentance actually come to something that's been written already. And so Psalm 51 is, is this amazing Psalm of repentance from David after he's committed adultery uh, with Bathsheba. And so you just kind of think this, this is a, this is a serious incident and he's coming to God and he's repenting. And it says this in Psalm 51, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And so you can just pray. That's just two verses. But you could meditate on those two verses and come to a place where you're repenting. And and, and you're essentially saying, Lord, I need you, Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness, I need your grace, I need your mercy. And then like you said, the number two is the kind of self-assessment, looking at your bank balance, your diary, the things that you're giving to, 
um, giving yourself to it, it, hopefully by doing that you're starting to see where your priorities really lie mm -hmm. and and then hopefully make some some like wise decisions and choices mm -hmm. and maybe trying to kind of realign uh, those things um, and then thirdly just kind of remembering God's grace in this all so I think when when you start to hear right I, oh these are the things I need to do either I need to repent I need to self-assess I need to look at all of the th these things I need to make all these changes what we forget is God's grace in it all and so you know in in Ephesians chapter 2 Paul uh, just gives this wonderful kind of um, outline of of what of what grace is and what God has done for us and it's in chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 it says for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast and so uh, what we want to do is we want to respond to the grace that's been shown us rather than working for grace you know, there are these times for every, each one of us, really, isn't there, where we feel dry and we we real, we come to a realisation that actually we haven't been worshipping God, mm. that our priorities are muddled um, and we're not putting God first. Um, what what do you do in that moment, Lex, when you, when you come to that realisation? What's your experience of that? Yeah, um... So I suppose it, for me, it, it always comes down to that idea of like when I'm feeling that um, I'm not in the right place or I don't know, the, the classic example is you're maybe stood in church and worship's happening um, or you're speaking with a friend and they're really impassioned about something and you're just like, I don't feel that. I mean, first things first, we all know feelings are fickle, so don't place any yeah. major importance on them because they just shift like nothing else yeah. but for for me when i'm feeling that way like when i'm feeling dry or um shaky mm. um there are some super simple like avenues into worship and i think the first thing is that we need to understand like worship has this whole like heart element to it so if i'm dry it's probably because there's some sort of barrier there usually of my own building where yeah. I haven't actually connected with with God properly so I think like these disciplines are massively helpful and actually since doing this podcast um and since reading about them and actually getting a right understanding of what these disciplines are and why it is there in scripture it has absolutely transformed my faith and this like journey with God because it's taught me to have like to practice being in the presence of God daily like what that mm. looks like and pressing into that in in the private sphere yeah. um rather than just trying to grab at it in the public sphere nice. um so for me so much of it lives in and we talked about the bible in the last episode but so much of it stems from that because unless we read the bible like if there is like little revelation of who god is then there's going to be little focus yeah. on him and if there's a little focus on him then there, there there's going to be little worship of him so yeah. like there are super simple steps that we can take um but it maybe it even looks like i don't know if you're someone that loves going out and being surrounded by his creation and seeing some rolling hills and that reminds you of just how big he is um then that's great maybe it looks like you like me sitting and reading your bible and reflecting on hebrews 10 and just being blown away by it or maybe it looks like you sticking on 
some worship album or your favorite song and just letting its words wash over you and remind you of of who he is and i think so much of it is just like there's a lot of noise of our own making but also from our job from our family blah 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 whatever it may be there's just so much stuff going on and sometimes like for me it's literally as simple as stopping being still yeah and just reflecting on who he is because fundamentally you know like that that is what worship is it is us rightly valuing god and and attributing it it all to him um so yeah for me it's more of a like it's 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 thinking rightly about 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 god um and and that's that's where i start and then the next bit unfurls (laughs) nice um how about for you yeah so i mean i think you've touched on similar things that i that i would go to i think firstly it's trying to put myself in a position where i'm getting the biggest view of god that i possibly can and one of the things that like as someone that preaches one of the things that i feel called to do when i preach is to give people a big view of god um so that they are are almost see the awe and wonder and the glory of god um and so and by doing that then it almost changes people's affections or they're exposed to something the power like thomas chalmers talks about the expulsive power of a new affection and when you you see something that is way better than what you're currently currently experiencing it almost it 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 moves those those dead things out the way um and so i think exposing yourself to a big view of god would be the would be the first thing but secondly I th- and i th- i heard it from a someone called andrew wilson and he talks about emergency joy fuel, which I which I just love. And and so you know, like when I know when I was at uni, and like I needed some ex- extra energy to write an essay or whatever, it was like you know, pop pop the kind of Red Bull down the hatch kind of thing, <laughs> or get some coffees down just to get me through it. And I think in, in a similar way, it's not wrong to have a few emergency joy fuel go tos up your sleeve when you're feeling dry. And so you know it's like you said it's like find the song that without fail gets you to a point where you're worshiping god so like for me it's like stuart townsend power of the cross i get that blaring if i'm feeling dry just do it and i just listen to it and that just helps me or you know there's the classic kind of dr logridge like that's my king kind of video or whatever Mm -hmm. and you just watch it and you're suddenly inspired and you realize ah that life is so much bigger than me and my issues and my situation i think having some of those things up your sleeve Mm -hmm. uh can be really helpful yeah um and i think and then i think like you said the kind of going through the motions there is a thing of like actually and we've kind of touched on it already before but like the kind of regular practice of gathering with people to worship god or to sing to god and to enjoy his presence together that is a means of grace to us like communion is a means of grace to us it's a gift from god taking bread and and wine and making them part of us is is this is this action of worship that is supposed to remind us that that life is is more than just about us but there is a there's a god that sits over the earth who loves us and gave his son for us and i think mm-hmm. when we start to uh, discipline ourselves and when we start to engage with those kind of things we begin this journey that Paul talks about as being you know offering our lives as a living sacrifice we start to see that and we start to honor God in everything that we do mm-hmm. so that's it Lex that is the episode on worship we've looked at 
the idea that everyone worships something, that we have uh, affection and value placed on lots of things. Um, we've then looked at what the biblical perspective or the biblical idea of what worship is, that it's much bigger than just singing on a Sunday in church, but it, it's it's an idea that we, we give our whole lives to it and there's sacrifice and surrender to that that we we lay down things in order to worship God with our lives and then we've kind of given some practical points uh, of how we can worship God when we realize that we aren't um, so the idea of repentance self-assessment remembering God's grace um, so hopefully those things are going to help us to kind of come to a point where we we do worship god with our whole lives um and that there is a discipline to doing that but ultimately when we when we start to engage in those things we start to live not for ourselves but for god so why don't you try those things the this idea of repentance self-assessment remembering god's grace maybe get some joy feel up your sleeve emergency <laughs> joy feel and see how that works for you yeah. um that has been great to chat Great to get, bring the band back together again. You know it. Pleasure as ever. Always. Catch Over and out. Bye. <laughs>